Locked On Podcast Network and Odyssey present Locked On Sports Today. What are the chances of a Super Bowl hangover in L.A.? A football team reflects a community in crisis in Mississippi. And why the Chargers may have the best roster in football, but don't belong in the same tier with the Bills and the Chiefs atop the AFC. I'm Peter Bukowski, starting your day with the can't-miss stories and biggest debates in sports. You're locked on sports today. Searching all major sports. Found. Let's start with the biggest story. They won the Super Bowl. That's it. That's the tweet. The LA Rams are back in business and and potentially more dynamic this year with Allen Robinson now in the fold and an offense that has another year to marinate with Matthew Stafford and Sean McVay from Locked on Rams. Travis Rogers is with me now. And, and Travis, Super Bowl hangover is the thing that we talk about with these teams every year. How susceptible do you think this Rams team is to the too much champagne feeling? I, I think they're as susceptible as anybody else. I, I certainly think it's possible. I don't think we'll have a really good idea on whether or not they were able to beat it until we get probably a little bit closer to maybe Halloween or so and how they look. They're, the second half of their schedule is far more daunting than the early half. Um, Aaron Donald seems pretty invested in what's going on. <laughs> so I think he's the guy that's going to set the tone for this team. So if his... Um, Attitude and passion is an indicator for the other 52 guys on that roster. I think they're in pretty good shape. If there is uh, an element, whether it's changeover in um, some of the players, I I mentioned Allen Robinson is going to be a key cog in this team, um, or it is something that you think Sean McVay is going to be able to do or or defensively um, with with what they can do with with Jalen Ramsey and, and Aaron Donald. What would what what could you point to and say, okay, this is the reason I think they won't have any sort of letdown this season? Well, I think you mentioned it, actually, and you're one of the few people that I've heard mention it because I think it's a really good point that this is year two of McVay and Stafford, that as good as it was in the first year, and obviously it ends with a Super Bowl championship, I think it's going to be better. I think that their second best wide receiver in Robinson is a better wide receiver than Robert Woods was a year ago. Mm. I think that they will have a better understanding of what it is they're trying to do together. As good as it was last year, the more you do it, the better you get at things. And I think as weird as it sounds that they won the Super Bowl a year ago, mostly because their offense was able to deliver when they absolutely had to have it. Their defense has been really good for several years in a row. Obviously, Aaron Donald gets a lot of attention, but the defense collectively has been very, very good. If that offense continues to evolve like the way that I expect it might, I think that's the biggest difference. It's not something you hear very often, but I think they could be better offensively because of Stafford, McVay, and Cup than they were a year ago just because they're doing it a second time. And that defense gets another future Hall of Famer in all likelihood, Bobby Wagner. Uh, So let's just throw him into the mix here as well. So, okay, the, the soft skills stuff, let's push that aside for the moment. The Super Bowl hangover is very, it's very, uh, you know, in, in your head kind of stuff. This is not stuff that that we can see and point to on the football field. Let's point to something on the field and say, okay, if the Rams aren't able to repeat, because repeat is really, really, really hard. Teams very. just don't do it. Uh, what would be the thing on the field that would make you go, mm, this is what I'm most worried about? I think there are two things. I actually talked about exactly this topic on Locked on Rams on today's podcast, and it is two things. It's offensive line depth and it's running back health. Those are the two things that I think this team is most vulnerable for. 
Um, they're moving two brand new starters in this offensive line, one at left tackle. We know how important that is. Um, and not just that Joe Nopum is the new starting left tackle, but he's replacing a guy that may have been the de facto leader of this team and Andrew Whitworth. So that's a big deal. Your number one depth guy in Coleman Shelton is now your starting right guard. The guy that you drafted to be your right guard, or at least add some depth, Logan Bruss is out for the entire season. He tore his ACL in that second preseason game. So your next wave of guys, whether it's Bobby Evans or Tremaine Ankrum or so, are either inexperienced or significantly less than the guys they have in front of them. So if you have some attrition on that offensive line, which almost always happens, you're into some guys that you weren't really counting on all of a sudden playing some pretty important roles. And then in the second area, I should say, in the backfield, both Daryl Henderson and Cam Akers are really good backs when they play. Neither one of those guys have proven that they can stay in the lineup on a regular basis. And beyond that, you've got an undrought, you've got a, an inexperienced rookie, I should say, in Kyron Williams, and then a seventh rounder from a couple of years ago in Jake Funk. So that could get very thin very quickly as well. Stay up to date on the LA Rams by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and the Locked On Rams podcast on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get podcasts. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Coming up, the Jackson State football team is feeling the pain of an entire community in crisis. If you haven't tried Built Bar Puffs yet, you're depriving yourself of one of life's great joys. And guess what? There's a new flavor, delicious, indulgent cookie dough covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right. Built has done it again. Let me introduce you to your new favorite cookie dough chunk puffs. They've got a light, chewy texture, real cookie dough chunks, and of course, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. I had a Built Puff Today, in fact, all the joys of eating cookie dough without the hassle of making it 160 calories and 15 grams of protein plus taste that absolutely delivers. Ditch the calories and get the taste with the fuel for your body. Go to built.com and use the promo code locked on 15 and get 15% off your order. That's promo code locked on 15 at built.com. Now, here's what you need to be locked on today. Serena Williams just smiled and laughed after she upset two-seed Annette Contavit in a three-set thriller in the U.S. Open in New York. Williams was asked if she even shocked herself with how well she played. After laughing, she replied, I'm just Serena, as if to say, do you know who I am? Because I do. The stadium was electric, featuring stars like Tiger Woods, Gigi Hadid, and Zendaya, all there to watch the GOAT do GOAT things. The Minnesota Vikings now boast two of the top receiver prospects from the 2020 NFL Draft, trading multiple day three picks to the Eagles for Jalen Rager. Rager, who was taken just ahead of Vikings star Justin Jefferson, never found a home in Philly outside of a returner role, playing opposite one of the best receiver duos in football may just be the best chance for him anywhere. Here's Luke Braun from Locked on Vikings, who can't keep a straight face talking about this trade. Vikings trade for Jalen Ra- <laughs> Vikings trade for, J- I'm sorry. Vikings trade for Jalen Ragor out of the Eagles. This is way too funny. Obviously, Jalen Ragor, the player the Eagles picked right before Justin Jefferson, that viral clip of Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman laughing about it, and now both of them are in Minnesota. The Vikings trade a fifth and a, or a fourth in 2024 and a seventh in 2023. That fourth round pick can de-escalate to a fifth round pick, depending on certain statistical outcomes was the wording that we have right now. More detail will come 
come out on that, then we'll cover it on the Locked On Vikings podcast. But for now, the Vikings get a reclamation project of sorts. He did not work out in Philadelphia. He was busting hard. And there must be scouts that really liked him still. Um, that in, in Minnesota, it is a lot of the same scouts that were there for that draft. The, that part of the uh, front office hasn't been shaken up as much. So that probably explains it. Also, they want a punt returner, and Amir Smith-Marset muffed a lot of punts in the preseason. Maybe they like what they saw from Regor in that regard. But ultimately, this feels like a flyer on a reclamation project. But that's a lot to pay for a flyer. Two day three picks. Um, one of them in the top half of day three is a lot to pay for a guy that like is pretty likely to not work out unless he has a huge turnaround and it turns out just being on the Eagles was his whole problem. Um, that is an interesting bet to make and it puts a lot of faith in your coaches. I like Keenan McCardell, um, but we'll see of course if all of this turns out. If it does turn out, if Jalen Ragor is anything, that's an absolutely hilarious way to put salt in the wound for the Philadelphia Eagles and, and Howie Roseman. But for now, Roseman manages to eke a little bit of extra value out of a first round pick that was totally flopping. For more on all this, you can find the Locked On Vikings podcast on YouTube, free and available on all platforms. The top two teams in the National League went head to head Wednesday night in New York as Jacob DeGrom and the Mets kept the Dodgers offense at bay. The New York Mets beat the mighty Los Angeles Dodgers on Wednesday night as Jacob DeGrom played stopper and Brandon Nemo made one of the best catches you will ever see. This is Ryan Finkelstein, the host of Locked On Mets, and really, that just summed up the ball game. Well pitched, DeGrom goes seven strong. Only run he allowed is a homer to Mookie Betts, but Starling Marte's home run counted double on the other side as Tyler Anderson was good but that extra run ended up being all the difference in this one. Really good pitching out of the bullpens, but where this game really was boiled down to in a single play is Brandon Nemo going back and robbing a home run, absolutely perfectly timed the leap to bring that ball back in, and that ended up being the difference in the ball game as the Mets squeaked out a 2-1 victory to even up this series and to set up a rubber match game on Thursday afternoon. On the show tomorrow, I'll be talking about this game. I'll be doing a little bit of revisiting history as the last time Jacob DeGrom pitched against the Dodgers was three years ago and things looked a lot different for this Mets team. We'll also go through some injury notes as Brett Beatty appears to be out for the season with a thumb injury. Here is another story you need to know. More than any other sport, college football teams represent their communities. And right now, Jackson State is taking up the mantle for tens of thousands in the Jackson area who don't have water to drink or shower or perform even the most basic functions. Jackson State football head coach Deion Sanders has brought this issue, which has been a problem in Jackson before, to the national stage, thanks in large part because he represents Jackson State. Darian Gray from Locked on HBCU joins me now. And Darian, this is a team that has now become an avatar of a community in crisis what is their role as a team, as a university, to help? I think that their role can be showed in a multitude of ways. You called about, or you talked about how Deion Sanders has called out the issue because he is always going to be vocal. You can say whatever you want to say, good or bad about Deion Sanders, he will be vocal. And in this situation, he's brought some attention. I think there's some people who would have never known about the water crisis in Jackson that are now understanding this. So that's one role that they play. But then another role that they play is one of comfort. You know, I, we were talking to Ross Jackson before this, right? And we were talking about the Saints and some of the, 
you know, natural disasters in the Gulf region, not comparing them to this. However, it's the idea that in trying times, a team that can represent a community in the way that the Saints represent New Orleans, in a way that Jackson State represents Jackson, Mississippi, they can be a good thing at a bad time, something that gets your mind off of it. Seen it multiple times with the Saints. As a Saints fan, I can speak to that. But now I think we are seeing that with Jackson State, and I think that's one reason that they're emphasizing we're going to play the game. We're not going to lay down. We're not going to lay down as Jackson State, and we're not going to lay down as Jackson, Mississippi. We're going to play this game because we are strong enough to do it the same way we're strong enough to get through this. There has been some mention uh, that bringing attention to an issue like this reflects poorly on HBCUs as an idea and as a group of organizations. And I know you have strong feelings about that. Can can you explain what they are? Yes, and I appreciate you for asking me this. So this is my idea. I've seen a random Twitter user, and this is something that is prevailing in, in the community, uh, specifically the HBCU and Black community. They'll say things like, that's why we don't send our kids to an HBCU because of some of the funding issues and things of that nature. But I want to be very clear. This is not an HBCU issue. You know, this is something that is happening in the city that could happen in any city. So I just wanted to make sure that we came on and we made here that we should not connect. Oh, well, you know, Jackson State is underfunded. That's why they're having this issue. No, I don't think that many people have this idea, but nobody should have this idea. Let's clear up the misinformation and let's not misrepresent a school like Jackson State because the city is going through something that we hope they can get through. Yeah, this is a city problem. And, and Jackson State has actually generated considerable revenues for the community. They are a steward for the community. This is not about a Jackson State problem or an HBCU problem. Uh, and, and so let, let's put that aside. So Deion Sanders has said, we're going to play. Mm-hmm. In all of this chaos, in what is an actual crisis, they are going to play. Do you think that's the best course of action for this team? It, it 100% is. Listen, the way that I said they're not going to lay down just like the city, that they can get through this just like the city, I think that's important. And when you look at what this game is, it's not just a run-of-the-mill game. This is actually a very important game within the HBCU, whether you want to talk about SWAC, MEAC, whatever, all black college football. This is an important game, and everybody understands that. So having a game of this magnitude that was already going to draw a lot of attention, it's on ESPN. You'll hear this storyline on ESPN, the ability to show a sign of strength through all of this against a school in Florida A&M, who we're not talking about at the time, but that is the opponent. This is a big-time moment, a big-time game, and I'm glad that they did it. And I think that that probably played a part as far as being the representation of a community and also saying this is a game where all eyes are on us, we need to make sure that we show everybody what Jackson State and Jackson, Mississippi is about. Stay up to date on the historically black college teams by subscribing to Locked On Today and Locked On HBCU's podcast on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get podcasts. Coming up, why the Chargers still aren't quite worthy of being atop the AFC contender list. Here's what to look for on Bet Online, your number one spot for all of your gambling needs. Here are the NFL Comeback Player of the Year odds for 2022. Derrick Henry plus 350 is the clear favorite. Jameis Winston plus 650. Christian McCaffrey plus 850. Like that one. Michael Thomas, Travis Etienne, Chase Young, and Saquon Barkley all 12 to 1. Bet online where the game starts. 
The LA Chargers may well have the best roster in football and a supernova at quarterback. But Matt Williamson and Brian Peacock from Peacock and Williamson aren't ready to list them in the class with the same breath as the Chiefs and the Bills. And then you got to go all the way up here to the top three teams, not only in the AFC, but in the NFL. One, two, and three, all in the AFC. And the number three team is those Los Angeles Chargers. Yeah, um, it seems a little rich to have them at the very top as basically a tier one team. And I definitely am much more confident in the Bills and Chiefs. I mean, their recent track record, Andy Reid, Mahomes, I mean, is is very, very strong. I think that the Chargers might have the NFL's best roster. I hope Brandon Staley learned a lot about being an NFL head coach in year one. Herbert, to me, is on the Allen and Mahomes track. And this is more of an NFC note than it is a Chargers note, but the few teams atop the NFC, to me, I'm a little worried about. I didn't know who to pick as the top team in the NFC, where I thought to myself, if the Chargers were in the NFC, would they be your one? And the answer was yes. There you go. A lot of uh, a lot of expectations for a team that didn't even yeah. make the playoffs last year, Matt, in those Los Angeles Chargers. Part of me understands this argument. Can we at least see the Chargers go to the playoffs with Brandon Staley and Justin Herbert before we crown them as an AFC favorite, an AFC contender, a bona fide Super Bowl team. I feel that way. But here's how I also feel. I just watched last season. I have eyes. I have a memory that goes back at least nine months. And in that nine months, the Cincinnati Bengals, who had done nothing for years, went to the Super Bowl because... Their quarterback is incredible. Their skilled players got better enough to make up the gap between the skilled players and the offensive line. And the defense took a step forward. They got some breaks. They got some lucky bounces. And they played some great football in fourth quarters. Remember, the Chargers were one possession away from going to the postseason. And the Raiders were one possession away from being right there with the Bengals. It was this close even last year. I see a more talented Chargers team this year than the Bengals last year and a more talented Chargers team this year than the Bengals are this year. So why not the Chargers? Set aside all of the bad mojo from the last decade plus Phillip Rivers. They invented ways to lose those games. This is the most talented Chargers team since they were in the AFC Championship game Back in the day, back in the Ladanian Tomlinson days, they should be in the playoffs. And anything less than a bona fide playoff run should be considered a disappointment given the talent that this team has. And finally, how does the number two prospect in baseball announce his presence for an Orioles team pushing to get into the postseason chase by hitting a 430-foot bomb for his first major league hit? Top prospect Gunnar Henderson went yard off Guardians pitcher Tristan McKenzie in his second career at bat. Henderson has been part of a youth movement that has helped push the Orioles over 500 and into the AL wildcard race. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Now go find your favorite team's Locked On podcast and make them your second listen. Coming up tomorrow, who will disappoint this year in the NFL? So at least until tomorrow, stay Locked On Sports today.